The Exigent Legal Tech Mashup Podcast is a convergence of differing and opposing points of view that bring together legal operations, commercial, data, and tech. In these lively discussions, we show you how alternative legal service providers, ALSPs, can help transform your organization by leveraging technology and data analytics. Listeners will walk away with an understanding of how this powerful combination can directly impact your bottom line, help you extend the influence of your legal department, and provide you with an understanding of how AI can be leveraged to help identify opportunity and mitigate risk. I'll introduce our speakers in just a moment, but I'll be facilitating the conversation for anyone who hasn't tuned in today. My name's Simon Micklejohn, and I'm the Associate Director for Legal and Commercial Solutions for Exigent across the Asia Pacific region. The topic for today is moving beyond futuristic AI hype, machine learning technology and its power today. So a big topic, but we're hoping to go beyond the buzzwords of AI and bring to life actual applications that you can use in the real world. And our um, presenters are, are going to share some you know, real insights and knowledge and expertise from their experience in this space. And hopefully you'll be able to take some ideas back into your own department at the end of the day. So we'll get straight into it. I'll introduce our panellists, Karen Sandler, who's the Chief Knowledge and Information Officer at Gilbert and Tobin, also a, a partner. We've got Carl Adams, who is the Director of Legal AI at Exigent. Paul Lanzone, who is Global Delivery Lead for DXC and United Lex. And of course, David Home, our CEO, Exigent CEO and Chairman of Brightmind Capital Partners. So we'll jump straight in and I'll go to Dave and Carl initially to, to lead off. And I, I think, Dave, the big question is, can you help us find the unicorn rather than the donkey? If you can sort of demystify this situation and help us understand the HI plus LI plus AI, because I know it'll be of real interest to the audience. I suppose I have a slightly unique position in having none of the eyes. So I'm not a lawyer, I'm not AI, and uh, I believe I'm vaguely human. But I think my unique position in this is that over the last two to three years, um, we have been directing some of our investment efforts, both in, in Brightmind's Capital, which is an investment fund, but also in Exigent towards seeing how AI applies to both our clients, but also to various investment scenarios. So I guess where I stand here is that we, we've spent real money on this and very significant sums. And so before we did that, we had to be convinced, because I'm a simple accountant, that there was a, a reason to do it and it wasn't hype. And I think what we have discovered is that, you know, we call the LI, legal intelligence, uh, HI, Human intelligence and AI is obviously the one thing that everyone wants at the end of a sentence if they go to a conference in the legal industry right now. And one without the other two is actually fairly meaningless. And, you know, none of the three provide an answer. I think my, my observation is that AI gives you, is actually not particularly new technology in many ways. So I was fortunate enough to spend 45 minutes about a year ago with the guy that created Google for India, an incredibly humble man. And he, he, he you know, he, he explained to me the simplicity of the AI, which is really based on a lot of technologies which have been around for some time. The difference has been the, the reduction in price and the increase in power of processing available to make it actually work for you. So I guess we have put real money behind 
uh, belief that AI is part of an answer. And the part of the answer that it mostly gets to is speed, in my view. Sure, it gets a bit smarter, but speed is really of the essence. And if we were to say in today's world, what is important in terms of discovering information and, and then applying it intelligently, the first step would be to, to access that information and access it fast in a way that has never been possible before. That's what it really means to me. And, and people can talk to me about how it gets cleverer and cleverer and cleverer. Well, you know, I know that that is true. It gets more sophisticated. But at the entry level, it gets you to first base, you know, in seconds, not, not days and not weeks. And it, and, it, it, and it doesn't get tired. And it doesn't, which I am slightly tired because it is past midnight. But anyway, but it doesn't get tired. So, you know, this is a thing that can run in the background constantly. And Carl is better placed to really talk about this because, you know, he has had a team of 30 attorneys training what we call Scarlet for solidly for nearly nine months now. That's a lot of hours. And so we've really discovered a lot about this from the ground up. We've lived it. Fortunately, you know, for Carl, you know, we, we, gave, it, we gave our technology a name called Scarlet, which means that he, he, his wife was deeply suspicious of AI from day one. So, Carl, do you want to introduce yourself? <laughs> yeah, thank you, David. Uh, yeah, I've, I've been living this life for better part of a year now with Scarlet, and certainly it's taken some, some time away from the true uh, flesh and blood wife. <laughs> but yeah, it, is, it has been a very interesting journey. And where we came from before embarking on this journey was working on a, a contract management solution called Chameleon. And the challenge with that was the, uh, the time it takes to do the manual data extraction from various uh, clients' contracts, uploading those onto the system, and then manually extracting the data from those contracts. And the other challenge with that is that once you have the contracts in the system, you've got a fixed number of e-values that you're, you're onboarding. And oftentimes there may be information in there that isn't uh, captured in those key fields and you need to find that information and find it fast. So the other challenge was coming up with a solution that would get around that time-consuming manual search. So machine learning, what is machine learning and what, is, what are we talking about here? The whole objective here is to gain contract visibility and business intelligence fast and accurately. But you have to understand what it is you're, you're after, you know. So you need to have that human intelligence side that says, okay, what, what are my questions here? What am I trying to, to get at before you even get into this process? So you have to decide that up front and understand what, what are the various steps and map out all of the steps along the way to get there under your current manual system before you start to try and automate that with machine learning and, and artificial intelligence. I think that's yeah. a, really, a really key point. Unless you start with the right question, the tool becomes completely irrelevant. Like it's, it's secondary. The, the human legal intelligence or commercial intelligence, we're running out of eyes at this stage, but is the critical success factor, is it not? I mean, this is the tool you get there, but the question is the most important starting point. That's absolutely right. If you don't know what the questions are, or if you haven't really thought through what those questions are, you just have a mass of data, but no real direction to take it in, you know. So that's where we, we start with that. And then you've got your sort of contracts. And what do you, what do you want to find out from those contracts? So if you, in this age of COVID, maybe you want to find out, am I on the hook for something that I need to pay for? 
even though I haven't uh, received delivery for it? Or on the other side, do I have to deliver even though I haven't received payment from the client? You know, those are the kinds of questions that your contract should be able to answer. So the key is to have a large enough data set of contracts. What we've done here is we've created a system that runs through those contracts for you and extracts the information. But you still have to decide up front what information you want before you set this up. So, you know, you've got to have a good map of where you want to get to and then and then embark on that. And then you can get these kind of results. But it's a long time getting there. But you can't go anywhere unless you start the journey. So, And I think it's, it's fair to say, and I think Karen's got a view on this, that, you know, there's no such thing as perfection in AI. Yeah, so there is a, a cleanup to be done. I actually had a brilliant comment today from one of our prospective clients who said, if you can do 2,000 agreements in a number of seconds, how do you charge by the hour? Uh, to which I, I just, I just it was a head-in-hands moment, to be honest with you. Because actually, you know, this does get you some way there very, very, very fast. But it doesn't get you all the way there. And, and, and anybody who tells you it does is, is a snake oil salesman. And, and, and so but what you can do is deploy it intelligently, but you have to have the, the first two factors in place first, like you know, human intelligence, really. Karen, we might just bring you in there because I think it's a nice segue. Uh, and you've got a different perspective. You come from an um, innovation perspective within a law firm and you know you've, you're someone who's you know won awards for innovation and you're innovator of the year in 2019 and you get this stuff so yeah can you share your perspective so thanks Simon yeah obviously um I come at it from a slightly different perspective having um you know applying sort of AI in the context of a law firm but then obviously we work significantly with our clients through GNT Innovate around looking to transform the way in which they work so it's interesting when I was reflecting upon the session today I was thinking about some of the powerful quotes that I've heard in the last sort of couple of years and one really came to mind which for those of you who are familiar with Jordan Furlong and he said that the question to ask with any burgeoning technology whether it's AI or not is whether it helps you get what you need done faster and less expensively and whether the same results would have been much more difficult if you had done it using existing processes or just manual labour. And I think it's probably a true reflection of where we are at the moment with AI. I often get lawyers saying to me, you know, these AI systems are not perfect and absolutely they are not perfect. But we're starting to see in areas such as due diligence, for example, 25 and 30% efficiency in those areas, which means, yes, it might not be 100% perfection, but absolutely we are getting efficiency in that we're able to get through those documents a lot quicker. So I thought what I might just talk about today is really how we are using it internally within um, Gilbert and Tobin and where we are seeing those efficiencies and where we've seen them on the client side as well. So the one thing to note up front is actually, interestingly, AI, in my view, has quite a broad definition in legal. It's interesting because a lot of the technology companies out there sort of suggest things like basic automation as well as decision logic as falling into the category of AI. You know, what I'm going to talk about today is more around the machine learning and natural language processing because for me that's really probably true AI. But it's just interesting to note that because the reality is AI is um, certainly got quite a broad, as I said, that broad definition at the moment um, as it exists within the legal industry. 
One particular area which wouldn't surprise many on the call in which we're using AI is obviously discovery. And AI has been around in e-discovery for many, many years, probably more than a decade now. But what we're definitely seeing now is actually advancements in the way in which it's being used in e-discovery. So, for example, we're using tools like predictive coding or active learning to enable review teams to actually cut down on their review time by leveraging algorithms. And what I mean by that is as the legal teams review those documents, the algorithm takes their inputs and evaluates it against the remaining set or the remaining document pool. And then that document pool is then reordered by the algorithm to basically push to the top of the pile what documents the lawyers should review next. And, you know, that has obviously been a significant move in the right direction in the context of e-discovery because, you know, lawyers are now reviewing documents which are deemed by the machine as being the most relevant out of a non-reviewed set. So as you can appreciate, with millions and millions of documents, and obviously we've seen significant sort of class actions recently, huge regulatory activity, which really has meant that there's been huge volumes of documents going into law firms at a rapid, rapid rate. This actually allows your legal teams to end a review base, a rate of relevance, rather than actually the numbers of documents remaining. So that has been a really significant sort of impact on the way in which we're doing e-discovery. It's not perfect yet. But for example, at GNT, what we're doing is we're running the predictive coding in parallel with the sort of manual review so we can get a really good sense of how accurate the machines are. And this is only going to get better and better as we progress. And I think probably one of the other key areas of interest is actually due diligence. So obviously we are using, you know, technologies such as Luminance and Kira, which can obviously take large document sets and within minutes identify things like key clauses, you know, some of the anomalies in the documents, you know, what dates the documents are, and also governing law. And so the best way for me to explain this is by way of example. Now, if we uploaded 10,000 documents into the AI system, we might be able to identify in minutes if, for example, we need foreign counsel or if there are documents in that set which are in another language or the like. So that might have actually otherwise taken lawyers in a manual review days or possibly even weeks to uncover, depending on how large the document set. You know, so in terms of efficiency and speed, we are certainly seeing a significant benefit with the AI in due diligence. I think it's probably worth noting at this point, and this is probably to pick up on David's point as well, is that the AI certainly doesn't get us all the way there. Probably a good news story for lawyers, um, you know, who knows whether lawyers want us to get to that point, but certainly, you know, at this point in time, the evidence that I've seen at least is it might be able to extract, for example, a termination clause or be able to identify a clause as a change of control clause. But what it won't be able to do is actually do that analysis for you. So what it won't be able to do is tell you whether that document has terminated as a result of your current transaction or whether the change of control clause is actually terminated as well. So you really need to think about these systems as almost an aid to enable you to conduct your diligence more effectively and efficiently. And it certainly gives you insights into documents that otherwise would take days and weeks to uncover. But it is not replacing that review. And I think certainly we have suffered the challenge within legal. And if we talk about hype uh, that's existed over the last few years, you know, the concept that AI will do everything for you has certainly not been demonstrated in the context of, you know, what we've seen by way of diligence. In terms of where I think AI will go, and I'll talk about some of the challenges just briefly shortly, but 
in terms of where AI will go, I mean, you know, I've often got clients coming to me and saying, Karen, have you seen any technology that will review low complexity documents for us? And my answer to that at this point in time is whilst there are lots of technology companies out there suggesting that that is actually the case, I haven't seen any evidence to suggest that you can actually do that um, easily. I think it lands up coming down to, you know, more of a decision logic sort of rules-based system rather than actually some insights into the documents because we all know as lawyers that we can draft things in very different ways and they can either mean the same things or they can mean something completely different. So, but I do think we're heading in that direction. I think we are going to get to the point where we can actually start some level of sensible review using AI going forward. And where I'm particularly excited is, and something I'm thinking about at the moment, we're running a lot of pilots with technologies, is how we can actually help lawyers draft agreements using AI and how we can actually serve up knowledge to lawyers using AI and machine learning as well. And I think there's some really interesting sort of areas in that space. But just if I um, might just touch on some of the challenges that we have come up against over the last, you know, four or five year journey along the AI um, sort of front is it's important to understand that a lot of the out of the box clauses that come with some of the third party technologies are often not appropriate or relevant for Australian law documents. And that is something that means that individual firms or, you know, in-house legal teams or the like are actually spending a huge amount of time actually training these systems. So I just caution anyone who thinks that they might be able to pick up a third-party software and be able to, out of the box, pick up all the clauses they want to pick up. I think it's not actually where the AI is at. So it definitely requires that investment. And I think it's worth thinking about up front and not underestimating the level of investment one will need to you know, provide in that. And I think the other one that I just wanted to highlight is really the success of the tool is dependent on the vigor of the training. And again, I can't stress this enough because you really need strong governance as well as dedicated resources to train the system. The best way for me to explain it is the way in which AI obviously works, particularly machine learning, is whatever you put into the system is what you land up getting out. So if you tell the system that something is a termination clause when in fact it is a governing law clause, obviously you're going to impact the underlying algorithm. So one needs to really spend a lot of time, and we at Gilbert and Tobin have spent a fortune of time thinking about what that governance looks like, and we've actually got individuals who curate the learning to ensure that whatever learning goes into the system is actually accurate learning and will ensure that our algorithm only increases in its trajectory rather than actually decreases in its sort of ability to pick up particular clauses. The other thing I would sort of just caution is my view on the legal tech market at the moment is obviously there are lots of different technologies, but not all technologies do everything well. So you need to pick out and you need to identify what you are trying to achieve as an organization, and then you need to do an analysis as to whether the piece of technology can actually get you there. So I think those are some of the three takeaways that we've certainly you know, come up against in terms of AI. But obviously, AI is enormously powerful, and certainly we're starting to see, particularly recently, the efficiencies that one can gain, even in that sort of identification of documents and extraction of clauses. Yeah, that's that's great, Karen. And before I bring in Paul, Dave, or Carl, did you have a comment? I, I just I would endorse all of that. I think, and, and probably Carl's got something more intelligent to say than me, which is not that unusual because he is the guy that trains as the team of thirty constantly training the the machine. And and what Karen says is completely correct. And I think where we've got to is we tend to offer it as a service 
an AI able service rather than a let Scarlett go away for the weekend with her foster parents. If you see what I mean. So, so and so the consistency thing is extremely uh, point, extremely well made. But Carl's actually better place to comment. Yeah, no, I 100% agree with with everything that uh, that Karen was saying. That it, it, the challenge, especially, is on the consistency side. You know, this was one of the the reasons why we decided to make our service or our our offering as a software as a service rather than as a kind of out-of-the-box solution because having clients training on the system is is one thing, but it can lead to a lot of issues down the road. You know, it's just a case of garbage in, garbage out. If you have inconsistent logic or interpretations of clauses and contracts being processed that way, then you, you're basically going to have a system that is not predicting anything, or if it's pre- making predictions, the predictions are off the mark in a big way, you know. So I think Karen's spot on about that. I know you've got a, um, a use case you wanted to bring to life around force majeure, but uh, I might just bring in Paul before you, you go to that because I just want to make sure we, we don't run out of time. And, Paul, I know you've got a, an interesting perspective. Can you share yours? Yeah, cool. Thanks, Simon. Hi, guys. The context of DXC where I work is similar to Craig's story, I think, in, in the last session with Telstra where they had 25% cuts. We actually cut our department by 30%, so we're down to about 600 lawyers and contracts professionals. So we need AI. I'm, you know, I'm not saying we don't need AI. Without it, we, we'd have to probably massively de-scope. And I'm also a massive, you know, as you know, I'm a massive fan of legal technology. But in terms of AI, you know, just with my best Australian accent, I just want to call bullshit. I'm not talking about Scarlet, David, and that's that we will carve that one out. But, you know, and that doesn't represent views of my company and my sponsors, if I had sponsors. But um, we've just spent 24 months, you know, talking to pretty much every AO vendor, not doing shallow demos, doing, you know, proofs of concept. And most vendors are definitely on the wrong side of a misleading or deceptive problem right now or very, very likely to mislead or deceive. They're not doing anyone a favour in the industry by claiming what they're claiming because it gets back to the business. And as someone was saying earlier, that that creates expectations that we just can't fulfil. So, you know, these companies that are spending, a lot of them, you know, buying out-of-the-box technology, they're spending 18 months, 15 people solely working on models, brute force modeling, not elegant algorithms as was sold. And that's producing what, what was a Cole that said 80% accuracy. We're suffering the same thing on 80% accuracy on a very low number of clauses. So 80 months, 15 people, 80%. Yeah. And 80% is nowhere near what you need in order to not have not just a human doing QA, I mean, actually having the human review end to end because 80% doesn't get you there. So it's a, I think it's a dangerous period we're in. Um, don't worry, I'll probably come out of my, what do you call it, the trough of disillusionment and I'll hit uh, enlightenment maybe, uh, the plateau of uh, productivity at some point. But we're only in early days, right, of where we are. I mean, 8% of companies are really into AI at the moment. So it's very early. From a DXC perspective, very quickly, we're trying to use it in two places. We're a contracting organisation, so we have about 18,000 deals in progress right now. Uh, we're trying to use it in the first pass review, like what I call first pass review. So we want to see, not on our paper, we only have 5% on our paper, we're moving, but in legacy, in third-party bespoke paper, what can we get on high, medium, low risk against our standards inputted into the tool? And as I say, we're less than 80%. It's not going well in the first pass review. I think the industry is very early on that. A lot of vendors who 
are in the core strength of legacy data mining, the pure the e-discovery stuff, where you can probably successfully determine an account portfolio view of risk, you know, in a real-time negotiation, our negotiators can, you know, find out, you know, what we've previously agreed in Hong Kong for government on this particular clause. We can we can legacy data mine and it's surfacing that. But the first pass review, if they've tried to turn their car into an aeroplane and start doing first pass review, it's not it's not flying. And very few people are building aeroplanes in that space, which I think is a, a big space for people to get into. And then, you know, a couple of learnings very quickly. Most of our projects we have to be very agile. So if you try and do big projects on AI, it doesn't work. Small projects, constant feedback, pivoting in the AI is the way it needs to work. It's always going to involve humans. Even in advanced states of AI, three to four, five years from now, we're going to have humans. It's an Iron Man suit, not a robot, as they say. And we have to have that feedback loop that Karen mentioned as well. And there's a big culture element to it from us. I mean, you know, this you start with why, the Simon Sinek start with why, big fear of, you know, becoming obsolete, have to show them the benefits to customers, etc. And also start with a decent budget was my last point. I mean, it's expensive to do AI properly if you want to get to the points we're trying to get to. And a lot of companies are thinking about AI. To be honest with you, they don't even have contract lifecycle management, obligation lifecycle management, matter management, uh, e-billing, basic matter management tools, which, which would be the foundation of a legal department before you start worrying about the AI stuff. So yeah. a bit pessimistic, but I'm, I'm hopeful. I, I couldn't agree more with that, actually. And, you know, we, um, I mean, Carl will pitch in with, with his American version of bullshit, but I think that is completely on the button. And, and I think we've really found that too. Uh, the reason we started down the path of our own development was simply disillusionment with the claims of vendors, actually. And we really don't want to, you know, Carl won't let Scarlet go away for the weekend with Uncle Dave, that's for sure. The consistency point is so, so important. And the kind of like the fact that every company wants to add AI as a punctuation mark to, to, to change their valuation metrics is, is also kind of frustrating actually we've got to a pretty good point of what we think it can do right now and you're right you know in a year's time it's going to be a bit different i mean carl will love this because he's a lawyer and he absolutely loves pitching in with some 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 doom and gloom but i think you're pretty much spot on paul we've designed a system that auto extracts the key terms of various contracts procurement agreements and uh, leases and other types types of agreements and what we've found to be very useful is to have an instruction and a header coming out of those agreements to, that basically aid in the design and, and, and learning for Scarlet. It picks up things very quickly. And we've also developed a search tool that allows us to basically within not even a, a second pull up from hundreds of agreements, terms like uh, LIBOR or force majeure or uh, keywords like pandemic and whatnot, but not just in the words themselves, but also finding the patterns of those words. And, and as we're doing the search, the system learns more and more. The more searches you do, the faster the system learns. Yeah, thanks, Carl. So I think, you know, we've got probably five to 10 minutes before the end of our, our session. I, it would be useful to just draw on, you know, I throw it up into the panel if there's any further thoughts or, or comments. I know that there is such a um, you know, hype of smoke around the whole AI and machine learning situation. So I think yeah, from an audience perspective, it's, it'd be just nice to have some final takeaways in terms of what, what they can do now, tomorrow, um, what they can start experimenting with or exploring. So I'll throw that open to, to you as a panel. 
So probably two key takeaways for me. One being, I think, something we have been focusing on, obviously we are using AI within the organisation to some extent, and I would say, and this is probably consistent with the other panellists, is one really needs to um, get a good sense as to what one is trying to achieve and get almost the house in order in that regard, identify what particular clauses that, say, for example, need to be extracted as part of a diligence, etc., and then take some really quick and easy steps to sort of using the AI. But I would say that, you know, if an organisation has not up until now used things like rules-based systems, I actually think there is far more benefit in using those or embarking upon those systems and basic automation at this stage before one jumps almost into the AI. It will give you really good insights as to how you need to think about structuring your data. And that can only help you when you move on to the AI journey. And I think the reality is AI, as we've all said, you know, um, we look at the Gartner Hypercycle, and Paul mentioned that as part of his trouble disillusionment and the like. AI is not great at the moment in a lot of different areas and it takes a huge amount of time. So I would say try and invest in the quick wins first rather than necessarily moving into the AI. But I would also say that we find that lots of clients ask us about are we using AI and the like. And many of our clients, interestingly, are very nervous when we say we have used AI. So I think the education piece is absolutely critical. So we are spending a lot of time internally around developing our lawyer's capability to understand what AI means, how actually AI works. And I think that's going to be critical because we do use AI internally. And if a client comes in and says, how did you get from A to B, the expectation will be that the lawyers understand how these systems work. So I think education, removing the hype around it, is absolutely critical in ensuring we actually invest in AI properly over the next sort of two to five years. I certainly would endorse that. There are some some simple things where you can apply this. You can use this tool very effectively, very quickly, but it isn't a, it isn't a catch-all. And, and, you know, we're getting a lot of demand right now with the current situation around certain simple clauses. And the fact is that lots of organizations don't even have access to those simple clauses, to be honest with you, which, which is a little, a little scary after, you know, given how long this has really been around. I would urge people to, to dip your toe in the water and, and, and look at those immediate and simple solutions rather than think of it as a sort of holistic answer. I would mirror what you know David and Karen said. I think small projects for us, it's going to be, you know, yes, we're going to keep proceeding on everything we're doing in terms of pushing the edge because I think we need we need to do that. But you know, coming up with an account portfolio view of risk that is not a huge effort. It's not a monthly job, and it's not run by ops. It's we're putting you know account portfolio view of risk using these tools in the hand of hands of users in real time negotiations. But for the bigger projects that come out, you know, we're already seeing, you know, to be positive about this, you know, that force majeure, BCP, termination stuff that's come out of, you know, COVID, that would have taken us a month to get that data. And to add the data and then the the insights from the human, that would have taken a month. We're doing that in two days now. So, yes, there has been, you know, huge improvements there. But I would say that if you're going to do something simple and you get an account, as for example, account portfolio of risk, the extraction of the data is one thing. Do you need to think about how you add those insights and the human element on top of it in a tool so that you get the maximum use? Because data on its own is, is not any good. It has to have the human and the human insight. Yeah, great, great summary. And Carl, before we finish up, any final words? I just wanted to uh, echo the, the things that have been said before. I don't really have a lot more to add. 
other than making sure that you have a really good, a good understanding of what you're going after, what sort of questions you want to have answers to before you get started, and map out with the ROI, and be sure that you get some buy-in from the, uh, the C-suite people in your organization, because without that, you're going to get nowhere fast, because there is, is quite a bit of a sizable investment, but it's like certain things pay for themselves over time, and it, it will take some time for, it, for you to get those returns, but they will come, and when they do come, they'll be, they'll be coming in bucket loads. That's all we've got time for. I know it's about midnight or one o'clock where you are in the morning, Dave and Carl, so, so thanks for accommodating that. Karen and Paul, I really appreciate your insights. That's been a, a really interesting session. I think the, the long and short of it all is we, we all agree there's a lot of hype out there, but there actually is genuinely some, some practical ways where machine learning or AI can be applied and there can be some value. So really appreciate your time. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Exigent Legal Tech Mashup Podcast. For more information, visit exigent-group.com. Subscribe to stay up to date with all future episodes.